Well, good morning and welcome to Uncommon Church. What a great honor to have you with us here this morning and to celebrate Father's Day. We like to really celebrate dads here. I think in culture today, in society, dads are not celebrated. But here at Uncommon Church, we are always going to celebrate awesome dads, man. So... I also want to say a big welcome to those of you that are watching online. Man, thank you so much for joining us today digitally. Uh, it's a great honor to have you here uh, with us. And uh, we're just going to get into the message this morning. It is tough to speak on Father's Day. I'm not going to lie as, as a preacher. It's tough to speak on Father's Day because I prepared a message that's predominantly for everybody. And um, no, I'm kidding. I prepared a message that's predominantly for dads. And I'm going to talk to men today. But then I'm reminded of Mother's Day last month when Josie taught. And I actually learned a ton about from the Mother's Day message. Um, if you remember, she talked about Sarah and, and, uh, and Hagar and the fact that God sees us. So if, if we, we can all learn from these verses. Amen? It's also tough to talk on Father's Day because um, we're in a situation here in society, in, in America at least, where it's similar to the aftermath of the Civil War and World War II, where we have more children growing up without fathers than ever before in our history. So it's hard to speak to fathers when there's so many dads that have abandoned the responsibility to be a good dad. It's also hard to speak on Father's Day because many people have lost their fathers, or maybe they had a terrible dad or an abusive dad, or maybe you're a single mom, then you're trying to be a good dad and a good mom. Like, talking about Father's Day is tough, so I hope that these verses challenge and encourage you. The first verse I want to give you is from Joel, chapter 3, and verse 9. Joel very boldly says, wake up and let all the men prepare for war. Wake up, you mighty men. Let all the men draw near. Let them come up. I love Joel's passion here. I, I love that he is calling out to the mighty men of God to wake up. I love that he's, he's not willing to, to mince words. And my question for the church today is, where are all the mighty men of God? Because in church in America today, the average congregation, and unfortunately it is even reflected at Uncommon Church, there's only 38% men, 62% women. Almost two-thirds of a majority of the American church is women. Men today in America, especially in the church, are just not interested in church. They're not interested in pursuing God. And the ironic thing is, is that's not true of other religions. Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, it's predominantly men that worship from week to week. It's only today in America where there's a disconnect between the American man and the church. And now this wasn't the case 2,000 years ago. This wasn't the case in Jesus' day. Yes, there were some powerful ladies that traveled in Jesus' entourage, but the vast majority of those that followed Jesus, that did radical things for Jesus, that took risks to, to take the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth, were men. So my question is, where are the risk takers today? Do you remember in last week's sermon, Josie said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So I, my, my call for today is that, that these mighty men of God would wake up, draw near to the Lord, and be willing to take risks for Jesus. There's a great quote from Bill Johnson where he said, we don't actually believe the scripture, nothing is impossible for God. Because if we did, we would take more risks for the Lord. We say we walk by faith and not by sight, but we actually look a lot more at the world and at the economy and at our job and at our bills than we do at the world or the kingdom of God. And it's time for men of God to wake up, to, to respond and act like men. That's actually the title of today's message. You know, the, the title is for both men and women, but it is act like a man. 
Now, let me do a little side note because men are toxic in American culture and we're so woke that we don't get to talk about men anymore. I'm not talking about some sort of macho men that are um, abusive to women. I'm talking about men that are godly, men that are raising their families to know the Lord, men that study the word, men that worship, men that serve, men that give. I'm not talking about, you know, toxic, overbearing men that demean women. Women are God's daughters, and the Lord wants us to take great care as we cherish these daughters that he's given us. And God has created all types of men. Some men are rednecks. Some men have back hair and like to hunt and fish. But some men are more gentle. They're artistic. They're academic. They're musical. Even if you look at the book of Genesis, Isaac had two boys. They were twin sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was a hunter. He was a redneck. He was living out in the wilderness. Jacob liked to cook in the tents. That was completely unheard of 5,000 years ago that a man would stay back in the tents and cook. The Bible says that Esau was hairy, but Jacob was smooth-skinned. See, God used both men in unique and powerful ways. Not every man likes sports. Not every man likes the arts. Some men are on the cover of GQ. Some men are on the cover of Fish and Stream. It's okay that there's multiple kinds of men. So when I say, where are the real men? Where are the risk takers for Jesus? And that we need to wake up and act like a man. I am saying all men and women should passionately pursue Jesus and should lead their households in righteousness and integrity. Look at Jesus's own ministry. Jesus was a magnet for men. All types of different men were attracted to follow Jesus. Guys like Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. So he would have been a white collar, you know, accountant, bean counter kind of guy. But we know that Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen. Fishermen, I mean, that's like the most blue collar job there was back then. James and John, Jesus literally referred to as the sons of thunder. And we as a church today have lost our way in connection with men. Jesus didn't pick like limp-wristed, mamby-pamby, kumbaya kind of men. He picked manly men. He, he picked Texas kind of men. See, in, in Texas, like a lot of men, either in their truck or on their nightstand, or they have a concealed can, handgun permit, and they'll carry a gun. Same thing. Okay, if you're not on the security team, you need to get. <laughs> Same thing with Peter. Peter carried a sword, and the night that the the temple guard came to arrest Jesus, Peter drew that sword and literally cut the ear off of one of the soldiers. And how careful do you have to be to cut an ear off? I think he was actually swinging to cut his head off and the guy ducked and he cut his ear off. (laughs) Peter was like this bad dude. This fisherman was like, I've had just about enough of being Christ-like and he pulled his sword and tried to kill a dude. (laughs) Do you remember when Paul and Peter almost went to blows? Galatians chapter two, Peter came to Antioch and Paul said, I had to oppose him to his face because what he was doing was very wrong. And whenever you get fellows together to play basketball, at some point, two guys are gonna go face to face. You get two guys to play chess together, I'm not surprised if chess pieces and fists start flying. And Paul was like, listen, Peter, I know that you and I are like the president of Jesus Christ International. We're the head of the church worldwide, but we're fixing a scrap. We're gonna go outside. This is the two leaders of the church. Imagine if Jeff and I were like, listen, Jeff, I'm going to take you out. (laughs) Mess with somebody your own size, your little bitty arms. Come on, somebody. (laughs) 
I should pick on somebody my own size. Cassie, come here. <laughs> See, I made fun of myself. I ain't scared. Listen here, men. We need you to wake up. We need you to be a mighty man of God. We need you to rise up and serve the Lord with the strength and power once again. Jesus needs you to rise up like a mighty man of faith. Our church needs you to rise up. Your family needs you to rise up. This city needs you to rise up and be the man of God you were called to be. Why? Why is this so important? Because boys follow men. And we have lost a generation of young men. We need more men to step up and lead the next generation with passionate, holy, intimate, manly pursuit of the kingdom of God. How are we going to do this? Paul gave it to the Corinthians, and Paul was talking to men about men. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he was talking about the ministry of five guys that were taking risks for Jesus. He was talking to Timothy, Apollos, uh, Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Acacius. Yes, I practiced those all week. <laughs> and right in the middle of chapter 16 and verse 13, he says this, fellas, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, but let all you do be done in love. Yeah. Fellas and ladies, the number one thing that God wants for this generation is that you would act like men. You're a man of God. It's time to start acting like it. So how do we act like men? I stole these from Pastor Jensen Franklin. Three things. Number one, don't act like a woman. God made us uniquely different, and that's okay. God made us emotionally different, physically different. God made us different, and instead of trying to uh, wash away, you know, the different genders, I'm telling you, we need to celebrate what God has created and trust that we need both characteristics, both sides of strength. That it helps the church, it helps culture, it helps community. Culture today is lying to people and lying to the next generation that there doesn't need to be a distinction between men and women. God says there does, and I trust him. So in the home, men lead, don't follow. That's God's plan for the family. It's for the dad to be on the front line of the family. So act like a man and lead your wife and your children with integrity. I know this is not popular today. I know this sounds like I'm some sort of chauvinist pig. I'm telling you, I am not. But this is God's design for the family. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. In the same way, husbands, give honor to your wives. How are we going to honor our wife? By treating her with understanding as you live together. She might be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. I think there's a lot of men in the church whose prayers are hindered because of the way they treat their wife and kids. And I remind you, she is your equal partner in the grace that God has given us in the kingdom of God. But men, listen here. It is your job to lead your family. It is your job to treat your wife right so that God will answer your prayers. Men, you should not be weaker than your wife. You should not be weaker than your wife spiritually. You should not be weaker than your wife in worship. You should not be weaker of your wife in leadership in your home. Why? Did you see what it said in verse 7? We dishonor our wives if we don't lead well. Men, we should not be weaker in prayer. We should not be weaker in faith. We should not be weaker in giving. We should not be weaker in holiness. We should not be weaker in the pursuing of God. Act like a man and lead. Don't follow. Another way to act like a man and not like a woman? Stop being a drama queen. Too often when a man feels dishonored, 
We throw a temper tantrum and we turn molehills into mountains and want everybody to pay attention to us. We, we, we're trying to lead, but we're being a jerk to everybody around us. We puff our chests and we bark real loud and we make everybody around us walk on pins and needles. That's being a drama queen, fellas. A man full of the spirit of God will cultivate and reflect the fruit of the spirit of God. Galatians chapter five says this, the Holy Spirit will produce this kind of fruit in manly men. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there's no law. So act like a man, not like a drama queen. Be, be gentle, be patient, be kind, be full of grace and love and, and, and self-control with your family. Don't make everything about you. Listen, just because you were bullied in junior high school doesn't mean you have the right to bully your wife and kids. A real man, a godly man will lay down his life for the sake of his kids. Well, this is Texas and all, I'm the king of my castle. Yeah, be a king like Jesus and lay your life down for your family. That's a good king. So number one is act like a man, not like a woman. Number two, act like a man, not like an animal. King David said this about his own sin in Psalm 73. He said, man, I was so foolish. I was ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. It is foolish and ignorant to act like a senseless animal because animals only think about themselves and they only think about their own needs. Animals think about themselves before they think about anybody. This is my food. This is my man cave. This is my remote control. This is my thermostat. This is my money. This is my time to go hunting, fishing, golfing. It's all about me. Well, that's not acting like a man. That's acting like a senseless animal that's only thinking about yourself. Men, open the door for your wife and your daughters and teach your sons to do the same. I'm gonna say it again because y'all didn't clap. Men, open the door for your wife and daughters and teach your sons to do the same. <laughs> there is an old saying about that though. When you see a man open the door for his wife, it's either a new car or a new wife. <laughs> Godly men say please and thank you and don't interrupt people. Men who are the king of their castle think that they, they get to talk whenever they want to talk. No, men of integrity and humility and grace sometimes hold self-control and just listen. See, your children are going to follow your example. They're going to do what you do, not what you say. So we need to teach the next generation manners. So number one was act like a man, not like a woman. Number two was act like a man, not like an animal. Number three, act like a man not like a boy. See, boys are always crying for their mama. Fellas, your wife is not your mommy. Say that again? Okay. <laughs> Fellas, your wife is not your mommy. See, boys want their mommy to take care of everything. Men take care of their families. Unless you're sick and that's totally that's okay. It's, I understand, fellas. I understand. This is only if you don't have a fever or an owie tummy, because <laughs> there ain't no bigger baby than when I'm sick. The Apostle Paul was dropping some serious knowledge when he said, listen, when I was a child, sure, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but then I grew up and I put away childish things. When I grew up, fellas, for some of you, it's time to act like a man and grow up. Well, listen here. I, I, she was the one who was wrong first, so I'm not going to say I'm sorry. What? Sound like a little boy. Grown men know how to apologize when they do something wrong. Grown men know how to own their mistakes and apologize well. Little boys make excuses and try to blame shift. 
And if you're married, even if you were not wrong, you're still wrong. So just apologize anyway. And the ladies say amen. amen. You know what else? A good father, a godly father, will teach their children how to apologize well. We have raised a whole generation of young people today that don't know how to apologize well. At least before texting, kids would go, hey, my bad, which is a terrible apology, but at least they knew how to talk. Today, kids will just be like, my bad. It's time to put away childish things and grow up and act like men. And for some of you men, it's time to put away your childish games. And if you're not sure, if you play childish games, ask your wife, she knows. And she will tell you that playing Halo Infinite till 2 a.m. when you have to be at work at 8 a.m. is childish. So let me recap. Number one, act like a man, not like a woman. Number two, act like a man, not like an animal. Number three, act like a man, not like a boy. So what does it mean to act like a man? Well, let's go back to the main text that I read to you a few minutes ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong, but let everything you do be done in love. Did you notice that Paul was using military terms? So number one was, be watchful. See, in the ancient world, they lived in walled cities, and thieves and robbers and bad guys would come at night to try to rob from people. So the dads would take turns watching on the walls over the city. Each night, they would protect other families by looking out for attack, protecting their own family by looking to see if there's any attack coming against their family. Fellas, listen to me. Josie and I will be married 25 years in August. I have never seen a time like this. There are more attacks against a Christian family than ever before in history. So men, you need to be more watchful than any other time in history. We need to be the ones that are on the lookout for attacks that are coming against our family and against other families. We need to be watchful for what is coming into our home. We need to be watchful what teachers and coaches are pouring into our kids. We need to be watchful what media and entertainment is being spoken into our kids. We need to be watchful over what is being taught in our schools. We need to be watchful what's on our kids' devices and phones and screens. So you need to check your kids' phones. They can have privacy when they pay their own rent. Kids, you can have privacy when you pay your own rent. In the meantime, mom and dad get to check your phone. Dads, it's your responsibility to know what's on their phone, to know what's going into their hearts. What are they listening to? What are they believing? See, too many parents are worried about what their kids are doing. I'm worried about what kids are believing, not what they're doing. Because how kids believe will affect what they do. Why is this so important? It's important to God. Because one of God's priests, the priest Eli, back in the tabernacle days, he was a terrible dad. First Samuel chapter 2 said it this way. The sons of Eli were worthless men. They were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. See, the most important thing we do is not our work. The most important thing we do is not serving in the church. The most important thing we do is love our wives and raise our kids well. Because God, to the priest Eli, said his kids were worthless. And then he says in the next chapter, there's judgment against Eli because he failed as a father. First Samuel chapter three, I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity, what? That he knew about. Because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. So by raising kids without restraint, God said that Eli's boys were worthless. 
Let me tell you something. Guardrails on the highway are a good thing. Discipline, when done in love and done in grace, will save your child's life and your future. So parents, you are the ones that have to be mindful. You are the ones that have to be on the wall watching out, mindful of what comes into their hearts. Let's move on to number two. It's the second part of that verse. Be watchful, but then he said, stand firm in the faith. So number two is stand firm in the faith. Let the word of God be a solid foundation that your family is built on. Stand firm on your convictions. But here's the thing, fellas. You need to know what the Bible says about sin, what the Bible says about holiness, what the Bible says about the kingdom of God, about faith. You need to teach your children about the kingdom of God. So when your kids come and say, hey, dad, is getting high a sin? Is abortion murder? Is it okay to look at porn? Is homosexuality a sin? Do we really have to go to church this Sunday? Parents, you need to know what the word of God says so that you can answer these questions, which means you are the Bible scholar for your home. Well, we go to church. You only come once every, once every four or five weeks anyway. How are you supposed to know what the word of God says when you skip church more than you go to church? And how do you expect your kids and grandkids to go to church when you can't even get in the building? Sorry, I'm a little hot on that one. <laughs> Worship, giving, serving, living holy, studying the word needs to be a priority in your life. The third thing was, how are you going to act like a man? He said, be strong. He said, be strong in your faith. On Friday night at men's night, which was exceptional, by the way, and this is why I'm wearing our uncommon men's shirt. Those are for sale back in the back, by the way. I know they had run out, but they ordered more, so I wanted to um, model in all of my hotness this shirt so you could buy some. I asked the men on Friday night. I said, how many of you men used to be sorry Christians not fully committed, just kind of going through the motions, one foot in the world and one foot in church, and like a ton of hands went up. I said, but now you're living for Jesus. And then the hands were like, ah. I said, how many of you regret going all in for Jesus? How many of you missed the old days when you were a weak and sorry, limp-wristed Christian and all the men, men shouted, no! I'm telling you, life is so much easier and better when you do it as a strong Christ follower. We make life so much harder when we don't actually fully commit to the Lord. So what the Lord is asking you to do today, fellas, is to wake up and become the mighty man that he's called you to do, to go all in. You were created to be strong in your faith. Resistance training is when you, you, you push against heavy things. Weight training. But what happens? It grows your muscles. So the Bible says if you resist the devil, not only will he flee, you will get stronger final thing from verse 14 was, let everything you do be done in love. See, there was a generation of Christian men that tried to do all this stuff, but they did it very harshly. And they did not do it with love and humility. The Bible says, if we're going to be good dads, we have to have love and not anger. Love and not rage. Love and not lust. Love and not lies. Love and not fear. Love and not pride. The world is so desperate for love right now because a generation of fathers did not properly demonstrate what God's love looked like. So fathers, let me break it down for you this way. First Timothy chapter five and verse eight. Anyone who won't care for his own relatives when they need help, especially those living in his own family, has no right to say he's a Christian. Such person is worse than a heathen. God is saying, if you don't properly care for your wife and your kids, you're worse off than people that are going to hell. 
Because at least a person who is unrepentant can repent of their sin and turn their life over to God. A sorry Christian father is worse. So leading your family in godly love, way more important than what you do for work. Way more important for what you do to put a roof over their head, food in their belly. Because godly fathers, they bring leadership to the home, leadership to the church, leadership to the community. And talking about leadership, there's always a quote that I give you about leadership. It comes from Pastor Gerald Brooks. He said, when you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. Those that we lead are our priority. Fathers, you're the leader of your home. And when you're raising a godly family, you think about your wife first and your kids second. Leading them in faith. Leading them financially. Leading them in studying the word. Leading them in worship. Leading them in serving. How come people don't serve in the church? Because they weren't taught to serve in the church by mom and dad. How come people don't give and tithe? They didn't learn it from mom and dad. It is your job to be the leader of your home. You know what else it's supposed to be, dads? You should be the leader in fun making. In my house, Josie is the leader of fun. And I regret that I didn't do a better job of making more fun memories. Dads, listen to me. As a guy who's going through the painfully slow, empty nesting process, it's like every day I wake up and another one of my kids tears a part of my heart out and just stomps on it. These moments, I am so dramatic. These moments, they go so quickly. Jordan and I took a road trip two weeks ago, went up to Oklahoma to preach, and this week I was driving and the sun was coming through my windshield coming home, and over on the passenger side, on the glass of my windshield, were all these footprints, greasy little dirty old footprints on the inside of my glass. So I washed my truck and I got out there and I windexed and I sprayed off all those nasty footprints. People always changing my thermostats, my thermostat. <laughs> always mountains of laundry in the hallway by the laundry machine. All the food, all the food we spend money on. All the noise from kids and their friends and their games and their stuff going on. You know what? I'm actually really gonna miss it because soon I'm gonna windex the windows of my truck and they're gonna stay clean. I'm gonna do laundry once every two weeks because ain't nobody making piles of laundry. I'm gonna buy food and because there's nobody home to eat it all, we're gonna throw some of it away because there's not enough people in the house to eat it. Dads, stop getting upset about the little things. It's the thousand little things you're gonna miss the most. Dads, you remember when you were little, you took the kids to the pool you put them up on your shoulders, you'd hold their hands, you'd go under the water, and you'd jump up and you'd launch them up like that. That's what you're doing right now. You want your ceiling in life to be their floor that they get started on. This week, my son moved out and he was the first one to tear out a piece of my heart and stomp on it. He's <laughs> getting married in a few weeks and he and his fiance bought a home. You know, looking back, now that he's out of the house and I have wept bitterly in his empty room, I don't miss cutting out of work early and going to all of his soccer games and his baseball games. I don't, I don't regret working. I mean, I don't regret uh, going to his games. I regret working as much as I did. I wish I'd have taken off more time 
to be with them. I've taken him on several mission trips around the world to see the gospel move around the world. I wish I'd have taken him on more mission trips. See, I don't regret the time that I spent with him. I regret the times that I wasn't with him. And can I tell you something? To those of you that might not know my story, any dad can do this. Any dad can wake up and act like a godly man. Any dad can respond to this call because I came from one of the most dysfunctional homes of divorce and addiction. And you're afraid that you'll hand that off to the next generation. Listen, all it takes is for one person to get radically right with Jesus and put your foot down and say, you know what? The buck stops here and I'm gonna break these generational curses and my kids are not gonna know the agony of divorce. They're not gonna know addiction. They're not gonna know pain. They're not gonna know poverty. They're not gonna know all the crap that I grew up with. I don't know if you're allowed to say crap in church, but I can't see Bishop Carrico because he's over here right now, so it's okay. As long as I just look over here, y'all are okay with it. My kids will not experience divorce. My kids will not be addicts. My kids are gonna know that I'm their biggest fan and I go to all their games. My kids are gonna know that I made a change and they're gonna live in that blessing. My ceiling is gonna be their floor. There was a little bit of a moment of 50%, 51% pride and 49% jealousy when I was walking through my son's house this week and I'm like, this house is bigger than my house. He's 21. But there's also this unbelievable amount of pride that he really is starting life right where I finished. About 600 feet more than I finished. (laughs) But who's counting anyway? 620. But the point is, I'm proud of you. Golly, I'm proud of you. See, I, I wanna be the loudest cheerleader for all of my kids because the devil is always gonna try to tear them down. Well, I don't wanna build my kids up too much. You build your kids up as much as you possibly can. The seventh grade will tear them down. You just keep building them up. Golly, seventh graders are terrible, aren't they? Like any kid that thinks, hey, I'm a good singer, I'm a good athlete, I'm pretty smart. The seventh grade is like, you're the worst ever. So you keep building your kids up. You keep encouraging your kids. Because those moments that you have with your kids, kids remember everything that dad likes. I'm sorry, moms. But kids remember dad's favorite color and his hobbies and his sports team and his music. And Mom makes 95% of the memories, but the kids remember dad's like little 5% contribution. You have such a significant impact on your kids. Make sure that the impact that you're making is that your kids are desperate for Jesus because that's the way they saw you. Desperate for Jesus, desperate to love the mom, and desperate to love those kids. (laughs) Speaking of loving on your kids, I hug my kids all the time, and I grab their little faces and tell them how proud I am. I think it's always weird when I see family photos of Christian families and they're standing there like it's a a post-Civil War picture. (laughs) Put your arm around your kid. Tell him you love him. I'm sorry your father didn't do that for you, but do better for your kids than your parents did for you. Show your kids what it looks like to read your Bible, to pray. 
Show your kids what it looks like to witness to somebody. See, nobody shares their faith anymore with lost people. Why? Because people didn't learn to do it from their parents. We don't have to go to church, kids. We want to go to church. We're crazy about church. We're not looking for an excuse to not be here. We're looking for extra things to come to because we love the house of the Lord so much. Build up your kids so much that you, their basement is, is just at the edge of your ceiling and you're pushing them up to the next level. Launch them into higher and greater things than you will ever have been able to do. Be a father, just like our Father in heaven. There's an intimacy with our Father in heaven. And this is a big disconnect that a lot of people didn't understand. And Paul was telling the church in Rome, in Romans chapter eight, listen guys, we haven't received a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. And that's the way too many families are run. Instead, we've received God's spirit. And God's spirit has adopted us as God's own children. And God's spirit makes us cry out, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. For his spirit joins together with our spirit to affirm that we are in fact God's kids. The Holy Spirit inside of you will cry out, Abba, there's an intimacy, there's a personal connection with God. That's what we should also cultivate with our kids. Hop up on your feet, I wanna pray for you. The first thing we have to deal with is are you even a child of God? Are you even a child of God? Have you gone through the adoption process where Jesus has signed your adoption papers and in your heart you can cry out, Abba, Father. And if you can't, there might be sin separating you and you need to get right with God. You need to ask the Lord to forgive you. You need to repent and ask God to forgive you of your sin. It might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed a prayer like this. It might be the first time in a long time. But today is absolutely your day to get right with God. If you're watching online, I'm also talking to you. You thought you'd get off the hook because I couldn't see you. God sees you. You're not alone. He's right there with you watching along on this video. And the question stands for you as well. Are you a child of God? Because we, we can't be a mighty man of God, a woman of God, until we become a child of God. And that starts with repentance. That starts with asking God to forgive us and receiving the gift of eternal life. So for you that are watching at home and you that are here in this room, if you need to pray and get right with God, I'd like to lead you in that prayer. It has to come from you, it has to come from your heart. I can help you, but it has to come from your heart if you really believe that Jesus is the only way to know God the Father and you really wanna ask him to forgive you of your sins. You really wanna surrender your life to him, that you would live for him. That's your first step in becoming this mighty warrior for the Lord. So whether it's the first time or the first time in a long time, I'd like to pray for you. Every head up, every eye open. I like doing those altar calls sometimes. If that's you and you need to get right with God, would you shoot your hand up and just kind of wave it at me? And just say, preacher, that's me. I need to get right with God today. I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? I see your hand over there. What about it? What about it? What about it? What about it? I see your hand over there. Is anybody else? Come on. Come on. Good. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. What about you? I saw four or five hands shoot up, people staring me right in the face, nervous to get right with God. You're right there in your living room, in your car, in your bedroom, just you and God, raise your hand and say, I'm gonna get right with God today. If you believe it in your heart, why don't you close your eyes and pray this prayer out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent and I surrender my life to you. I wanna be a mighty warrior for you 
but I'm starting right now by becoming your child. So wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the gift of eternal life. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint and a child of God. Thank you, Lord, for your love for me. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good father. Help me to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to do. If you were one of those that raised your hand, every single one of these light bulbs on our Jesus wall is somebody that has raised their hand just like you in the last few months, last year. So I want you during our worship time in a minute to go up and write your name on a light bulb or write your initials on a light bulb and screw it into that wall. If you're watching at home online, I want you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. This is the important thing. Texting Jesus is great, but there's gonna get an auto response form you need to fill the form out and click submit because I want one of our pastors to screw in a light bulb on the Jesus wall for you and I want us to be able to email you or text you some information on getting you started in your walk with God. I'll tell you right now what your next step is. Your next step is to get baptized in water. So if you want to get baptized today, you can. We've got black shorts and black t-shirts out there. You can change your clothes and get baptized in water today. We also want you to get plugged into our growth track so Growth Track works like this. There's three Growth Track. Growth Track 1, 2, 3. Growth Track 1 is always the first Sunday of the month. So if you're new to our church, if you're new to Jesus, take Growth Track 1 the first Sunday in, uh, oh wait, that's July 4th. Yeah, we're doing it then because 4th is until at nighttime. So uh, so Sunday, July 4th, Growth Track 1, 1. We want you, nobody's going to watch fireworks at noon. So, oh look, there it is, I think. So um, Growth Track and Baptism. Now, let me go back and, and deal with a few things. Oh, by the way, I'd like our prayer team to come down. We're gonna pray for you in just a minute. If there's sickness in your body or pain in your body, that's not God's will. If you need a word from God, a prophetic word, these guys are gonna pray for you. But here's something else I want you to talk about. If you haven't been the mighty warrior that God's called you to be, especially I'm talking to dads, but of course, ladies included. If you have not been who God's called you to be, today's your day to step up, to go all in, to completely surrender your life to the Lord these guys and gals can pray for you or if you need to come down to the altar and just kneel down and pray, here's something you might need to do. Here's something I needed to do. You might need to forgive your dad. If your dad wasn't a good dad, if your dad was abusive, if your dad left, if he wasn't a, a godly man, even if he's already died, you need to forgive him and release that debt. That's what's gonna help you be the person that God has created you to be is by releasing that pain that you've been carrying for your whole life. It's hard to be the mighty dad that God's called you to be when you're still hurt by your dad. So I want you to just, in prayer and in worship, just release that. If you can't do it by yourself, come and get prayer. That's what these guys and gals are here, is to help you pray through those things. I know I was a little harsh today. And ladies, I know I was a little rough because I, I talk to men different than I talk to women. Why? Because men and women are different. So I'm sorry if I offended you. I didn't mean to. Fellas, if I offended you, you can handle it. You're not a cupcake. You can handle it. I like when men talk to men like men because I love you and I know you can do it. I was looking at the guys that were leading here on Friday night, adulterers, heroin addicts, meth addicts, adulterers. These mighty men 
have done this. They are now crazy about Jesus, all in, amazing dads. I'm so proud of our church. You guys screwing in a light bulb? Come on. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Let's worship.